The Colorado Sports Guys podcast is brought to you in partnership with Amazon.com. If you want to support this podcast, go to ColoradoSportsGuys.com and click the Amazon banner at the top of the page before each time you do your normal shopping. Or better yet, click it and bookmark it and make sure you use that link every time you go to Amazon.com. If you do that, you'll be supporting the Colorado Sports Guys podcast. Thank you and enjoy the show. From CSG Studios, high above the streets of beautiful Denver, Colorado, you're listening to the Colorado Sports Guys. They talk about sports and stuff. And now your hosts, Jeff Morton, Ross Martin, and Nate Timmons. What's up, everybody out there on the interwebs and tangled wrapped up in the interwebs? This is Nate Timmons, of course. Coming to you with the Colorado Sports Guys podcast with me as always, Ross, Hipsters, Glasses, Martin. Howdy, folks. Welcome to the Colorado Sports Guys podcast, where the West lives. Yee-hoo! And making his way down here, we got the King of Thornton, Jeff Morton. What's up, everybody? We're coming to you live from the Colorado Limited Studios. Yes. Ah, yes. We're going to be joined later by the Denver Post's beat writer for the Denver Nuggets, Christopher Dempsey. I hear he doesn't like to be called Chris, so we're yes. going Christopher Dempsey. Christopher, don't call him Chris Dempsey. <laughs> I'm excited. He should be here any minute, and I'm excited to have him in studio. I've been reading his articles for years. He's a staple on the headline segment. Ooh, I don't know if that's good or bad, but we'll find out. <laughs> it's better than now. being a stapler. <laughs> it is better than that. Uh, Chris Dempsey, of course, taking over the beat for the Nuggets. Phenomenal writer, a guy that uh, is from Colorado, Hard nose for journalism and is going to be bringing all you Nuggets fans some tender Nuggets coverage. Denver Stiffs are going to be happy about this episode tonight. Oh, yes. A lot That's of Nuggets stuff. They a better lot. be. They, they better be. Those ungrateful <laughs> bastards. They better this. be. We, we give and we give them. and we give. <laughs> we give and we give. Well, let's, let's get into some of those juicy headlines you got, Ross. All right. So from uh, USA Today by uh, no name. There was no name on this. This uh, His name was possibly redacted. Redacted. I love that one. Black Mark. Why the Broncos (laughs) really lost on Sunday. This The gist of this article is the Broncos lost the aura of invincibility. It's the curse of the Jaguars once again, uh, right? Yeah, very, very interesting. Even by winning, you lose. Even by winning, you lose. That's right. And um, It's a bunch of horse shit. Uh, as time has gone past over the past, um, two days, <laughs> I, uh, Woo. when I first read this, I kind of agreed. I'm like, you know what? They did because there's a lot of question marks and the Jaguars of all teams exposed a few of those question marks. And that's what the gist of this article was. That the Broncos lost that aura of invincibility and, uh, it, it, I had kind of agreed with that. And made me nervous, but now as, as time has gone gone on, and I'm now looking towards the next game against the Colts, and then also seeing the Colts barely, um, well, they lost right to the Chargers, to the but Chargers. You barely know. got the offense going out yeah, there. It didn't look neither team looked great. Well, here's the thing though: this is the classic 
absolute classic letdown game with the Broncos, right? I mean, you go into this, everybody's saying, are they going to score a thousand points in this game? Is Peyton going to throw for 5,000 yards? And it's like, well, yeah, of course they're going to have a letdown game. And even the fact that Blaine Wabbert, as we call him at, from time to time, <laughs> was not going to play and they were going to have the jaws of life, Chad Henney. Chad Henney's a better quarterback. Everyone that knows about football is like, why isn't he starting? It's because Gabbert's the younger guy and they want him to be the man there. But Chad Henney's the better quarterback. Justin Blackman, he was a top 10 NFL pick just two years ago. I think he was the number five pick overall. Tremendous wide receiver. Maurice Jones-Drew, good running back. Rest of that team, not very good. But, you know, I don't know why people expected the Broncos to steamroll this game. I thought it was just a classic uh, kind of letdown game. But at the same time, they still won. I was, they still put up 35 points. I, Come on. I was disappointed thing. that Justin Blackman wasn't Rolando Blackman. <laughs> yes, you know, <laughs> former Dallas Mavericks, Ronaldo. <laughs> Ronaldo. Yeah. But, I mean, uh, did he once play for the Sonics or something? No, he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> he probably entertained thoughts about it. You know, the biggest concern, of course, was what, turnovers? And we saw Peyton Manning kind of at the helm of three of them with the two fumbles and the, the one horrific interception that he had. Uh, that's maybe two weeks in a row where he's had pretty bad interceptions. We talked about, you know, we made the excuse of the sunlight in Dallas Stadium for the first one, but. No, there was no excuse for this one. Yeah, this was just a bad throw. I mean, you just, it was a bad throw. And, and listen, I mean, the grand scheme of things, Ross, and the way to look at this, the Broncos, uh, defense, as bad as they looked, only gave up 12 points. And true. it was, the game was closer than it actually looked because the Broncos were ahead the whole time. And, I think we get caught up, and I and I and, and on, I kind of got on people on Twitter after this, and you should never do that because that's you know appealing to the lowest common denominator. But there is an element of first world problems with the Broncos right now, where it's like they didn't win by fifty, God, and people are like, you know, it's really like complaining about your cell phone doesn't like have a certain app on it. It's that, yeah, I don't have 4G, I only have yeah. 3G. Well, would you guys like to know how Benjamin Hockman has, uh, has described it? Well, I yes. can't think of anything I want From more. From the Oscar. Denver Post on October 14th, 2013, by one Benjamin Hockman. A headline guy. that, yeah, this Cardinals fan. <laughs> Booze by Broncos fans. With lead at halftime? Question mark. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna have to ask Christopher Dempsey about these question marks. <laughs> yes, you will. Yes, they're they're popping up. Have to get a yeah. Get a, yeah. Well, it, actually, that's not the end of the headline. Here, booze oh. by Broncos fans with lead at halftime? Question mark. Unbecoming. Unbecoming, he says. He says this is unbecoming of Bronco fans. Was there another question mark? He, <laughs> no, that, that was a unbecoming? statement. Uh, Hawkman, a St. Louis Cardinals fan, or maybe a Red Cincinnati Reds fan. I don't know. I can't keep up. He compares Bronco fans to a guy who is dating Kate Upton but gets mad when she doesn't take the trash out. Oh, you hmm. got to take that trash out. How stink if you don't um, take trash out? I, I Now, here's the thing. Now, let me just go right into this next headline because I think this will explain things a little bit and, and allow us to talk about this this concept of the, the Bronco fans, these ungrateful uh, bastard Bronco fans. These drunken. Drunken 
low-life scumbags that are Bronco fans. Uh, Joan Neeson of the Denver Post Bronco blog, First in Orange, she quoted several players who were, when asked about the booing, Chris Harris said, I was shocked, kind of, because I've never heard boos here. You really don't usually hear that from our fans, but I guess we weren't playing up to our standard and to their standard. Oh, yeah. Wes Welker said, we got high expectations, too, so we understand that they have high expectations for us, and we feel the same way. I'm sure there are a lot of us that want to boo ourselves, so we understand it. I almost appreciate it, and it kind of gets our butts into gear and gets us ready to play out there. Oh, Wes Walker, man. I knew I liked that guy. Now, do you guys know who Malik Jackson is? Oh, yeah. D-Tackle. Oh, DJ, right? We heard them. This is what he said. We heard them. It's, I don't have anything to say about that right now. I'll let Fox tell me what to say about that. <laughs> you never want to hear booing, especially when you're up, but I guess they didn't like the situation where Peyton took the knee going into halftime. Right. If they want to be the coach, I guess they've got to try out for the job. Did you happen to did you read Elway's quote on the booing? No, I did not. I have it here. He says, uh, I could not hear them. I had my two Super Bowl rings stuffed in my ears. <laughs> Yeah. Well, here's my thing. And, uh, I watched the game, uh, with my whole family. And, uh. Your dad was there. My dad, mom, mom, my brother-in-law, my, uh, sister, the Colorado sports wife, a a couple nieces and nephews. There's a cat there. And, uh, there's no, there was no four-legged furry friends. Fuzz didn't make the road trip. No, no. Um, and I was booing in the living room going into halftime. I wasn't even in the stadium. I wasn't responding to the fans booing, but I was booing because what the, what, what was going on there? It was disconcerting. And sure, you can say that that's a, uh, bastard move. You know, that's totally, you know, ungrateful. And it proves, I don't know, maybe Bronco fans don't realize what we have here. Uh, as we're watching something amazing. I think it but proves that Broncos fans know exactly what it, they have here. That's exactly right. This wasn't just the worst team in the NFL. It wasn't just the worst offense in the NFL, worst defense that we were playing against. It was, some people are saying, the worst team in the history of the NFL to ever field, you know, ever, the worst franchise to ever field a team this bad. And it's only a two-point margin going into halftime. And not only that, the Broncos looked like shit. And they were making stupid mistakes. And it's not the type of mistake that is forgivable. And I know there's been a lot of talk about, well, you know, the Broncos weren't showing their whole playbook. They were doing this almost intentionally, just kind of, you know, they were benching guys that normally might have started in a more competitive game. But you know what? That doesn't explain why Manny Ramirez and Peyton Manning can't connect on the freaking hike. You know what I mean? Like that (laughs) doesn't explain a lot of those things. And frankly, it's not like the Broncos have this really super um, like obscure offensive strategy. I mean, they, they use a lot of the same plays over and over again and they go to some of the same guys. I don't know why they needed to rein it in for this game and well, maybe use a more simple game plan, but it did, it did. Well, let me, let me, let me just say this. I think people need to give Broncos fans a little more credit. <clears throat> yeah. And I think Hockman. the last, the last <laughs> Good thing Hockman's not coming player, today. Malik, Malik, uh, whatever his name is. Some guy Jackson. I've never heard of. Malik Jackson. Malik Jackson. Um, Jackson. He, let me let me just say this. No. He hit on something that I believed what, what was the source of the booing. Yeah. And Foxball. Which, which was Foxball and people having memories of last year at 
at the the, the playoff game, which we all hate, uh, taking a knee at the end of the game when the Broncos probably could have made 30, 40 yards to kick a field goal. And I believe people were like, there's 40 seconds left. You're not, you're doing it again. And I believe that is primarily the reason Bronco fans were booing. Because Matt Prater kicked a seven yard field goal. You let him. Yep. And I, I think 10 yards. I think that that's, let him try. And yeah. I, and I think people don't trust John Fox. And I will, I will just come right on and say it. I, after last year, people do not trust John Fox. Well, it's like, I mean, he has this, call it a nuclear warhead in Peyton Manning, mm-hmm. and he's not willing to use it when it's like, hey, all you have to do is press the button and this thing is going to deliver. It's going to cause mass destruction. Exactly. But, but a thing, Jeff, that you've hit on when talking about the NFL in general is that it's a league of parody. You know, yep. you truly aren't. The Broncos truly aren't 50 points better than every team every week. It's this just true. Th- this is not a, a all-time great team. I mean, you can see that with the defensive side of the ball. It's not the best team ever in Broncos history, maybe. This is true. And when you're playing a team like Jacksonville that, you know, even though they might be one of the worst teams in NFL history in a league that's, you know, doesn't have a, a dynasty or a team that's far and above greater than another – you're going to have games like this. It's just going to happen. But I think, you know, that whole John Fox thing, that's perfectly, perfectly well said. I think, I think people don't trust John Fox. And I, and I think that people are finally like, they see stuff that's going to cause, they see stuff like that. And then they think, why should I trust this guy? He's doing it again, you know, and because everyone knows John Fox is conservative. Now people think that Peyton Manning would just override him and stuff like that and say, well, you know, you know, I don't necessarily believe that Peyton is 100% behind some of the things that the Broncos do, but once again, there is a chain of command in the NFL. If you disrespect the coach like that, and when, especially on a critical decision at the end of, end of a half, or you, you know, even at like that point, you know, the, you just can't do that sort of thing. But at the same time, fans, I think, have every right to not trust John Fox. After and, that and they have the right to boo their team or boo the situation. It wasn't like they're whatever were... they want. The only people in in the, this little combination of teams, coaches, players, and fans and franchises, the only element that cannot be wrong ever are the fans. In my opinion, they can't be wrong because yes. with, because they are the reason why this all exists. They yeah. are the customer. And it's the not customer like... is always right. Maybe they're not right about. Game strategy, but if they're booing, that's, that's not because they thought, sat back and thought, you know what? I really want to insult this team right now. They were booing because they were pissed off. Exactly. They weren't, and it's they not weren't what they booing wanted to in, see. They weren't booing in the same sense that a Montreal Expos fan that's wearing a brown bag on his head would boo his team back when they were even around. They were booing because they wanted them to play better. You know, it was just, hey, come on guys, get your stuff together. Let's, you know, we don't want to see a close game with Jacksonville. It wasn't, I'm going to take off this, you know, Manny Jersey and burn it kind of booing. You yeah, know, it wasn't we, that. And we don't boo uh, Kyle Orton five years ago when he kneels with 35 seconds left, only two points up against the worst team in the NFL. That's not a situation where we boo. <laughs> no, yeah. But we boo in this situation, in this situation because it's appropriate. Because, because it makes sense. And, well, Nate was perfectly right. You have a nuclear weapon. You have the mess, the weapon of mass destruction that uh, uh, was misplaced and actually put in the Denver locker room. Because this is the this is the ultimate weapon in Peyton Manning. Now, obviously, he was having issues with Randy Ramirez the entire game, 
But uh, what was up with that? It, I, Ramirez like, kept hitting his ass when he was when he was snapping, and oh, he had like their one drive. There was three low snaps right around Peyton's uh, shins, and I, I was like, <laughs> and Peyton did not look quite athletic enough to no. uh, overcome it. Well, first of all, <laughs> he's, he's like, I already started my momentum slightly backwards, well, yeah, so now I'm screwed. <laughs> yeah, that, that, and he's 25 feet tall, and he's you know not exactly athletic. Anyway. He's like, I, I did soak the lower <laughs> half of my body in concrete before the game, yes. so I, I'm not going to be bending down too far. There well, now. I think the bottom line is that they committed the unforgivable sin in the in the game in the NFL, and that is overlooking an opponent. To the next opponent, but everybody this, did. I mean, even the fans case, overlooked him. But in this case, it was the one of the only times where it is actually forgivable, because it was against an opponent that was so is such in disarray. But you've seen like such, um, you know, so bad that it it worked out. And we've fine. we've seen what Dallas was able to do offensively and Jacksonville to a degree offensively against Denver. Other teams are just going to try to, you know, once you figure out something in the NFL, it's the same as any other sport where teams try to expose that more so every week. So the Broncos have to figure out a way to change something up before, you know, they get into the playoffs because you might not be able to have an offense that scores every time they have the ball in the postseason. Well, it was know. as close to a bye week as you can get without having an actual bye week, and it's the best situation possible because they got to win. Do we have the Colts right now, or is there a week, bye week? Next week is the Colts. Colts and then bye a week. Sunday night football. And then the bye week, yeah. And oh, I hate bye weeks. Wow, that's going to be a ga- the game everybody's been waiting for. Well, especially since you got Jim Irsay flapping his gums. Even, even seeing the Chargers lose or win and beat the Colts last last week, it, it kind of took a little bit out of the sale out of this one, but it'll, it, it's ain't bad. Well, it took some of the worry away from me. Right, because like the Colts can be defeated. Because the Colts man-handed. looked so good a couple of weeks ago, and of course everybody's waiting for the Colts to just kind of erupt into this powerhouse. Right, and what a storyline to face Peyton Manning, you know, at home. And so I'm I'm real excited about this game. It's Sunday Night Football, the best production of football. It beats all it's every Monday so night far, production, pretty, yeah. Ever, if they um, had John Gruden, it'd be a little better. I have never Gruden. been a fan of Chris Collinsworth. <laughs> oh, really? I think he's all right. He is fantastic on Sunday Night Football. I I think he's just okay. fantastic. Yeah. And uh, so I can't wait. That's football night in America. This will be the, one of the biggest games of the season, not just for the Broncos or the Colts, but for – and I hope it's not a stinker. And by that, I mean I hope the Broncos – Beat the shit out of them <laughs> by fifty points. <laughs> if I'm looking into a crystal ball, Jeff hitting at it. Do you have any uh, headlines on Ursay in there, Jim Ursay? Um, no, I did have some headlines um, from the uh, StampedeBlue.com, the SB Nation site. But uh, no, what happened? Stampede I, I, Blue is that the Colts site? Uh, yeah. Wow. Um, but uh, we don't have to go into that. But I did hear something about Jim Ursay. I saw a lot of uh, he's drunk quotes uh, on Twitter. He must have been because he he made this. Well, Nate, can you go onto the internet machine and? Uh, oh, I did find have one that thing about Jim Ursay. Actually, here, hold on. Um, this was from. I can do this, Jeff. <laughs> Tecate. <laughs> oh, this was from. Uh, Oh, this was from Stampede Blue on uh, October 15, 2013 by Josh Wilson. Headline, Manning told Ursay he'd be quote-unquote crazy if he didn't take luck. Is that the headline you're talking about? No. Yeah, we're looking at, uh, at Jim Ursay talking a little smack about one Peyton Manning. 
talking about one Super Bowl and you know Tom Brady has a few and this guy has a few, right? Is that am I on the, along the right? Yeah, lines? basically that was. I mean, I, I don't have my. Do we need to be accurate here? Should I get on the interwebs? But anyway, Broncos. <laughs> this yes, is going to no. serve to rile up Broncos fans more than it will Peyton Manning, because you know Peyton does is not that way. But do I we mean, care about a no. old drunken owner? You know, this guy's been to rehab before, right? Like, do we care that this guy's trying to, to smack talk Peyton Manning, the, his former owner? And who knows if the, you know, this screams of taking quotes out of context and throwing them in the headlines and who knows what he said. Yeah. I mean. If it was Andrew Luck, like, uh, I'm going to win way more Super Bowls than Peyton ever did. He was never good here. I mean, that might be a bit of a story. But the owner, you know, it's some and idiot is, owner that got all liquored up, <laughs> started running his mouth. And what is the Jim owner Vanderjet. supposed to say? What is the owner supposed to say? Oh, I made a huge mistake. <laughs> Admit it, you yeah. know what I mean? But no. you, it's just like you, you want your owner just to be, you know, if you ask Pat Bowen about – well, yeah, if you ask Ursay, you'd want Ursay to say – Oh, uh, you know, Peyton Manning, great quarterback. We loved his time here. It's, it's going to be, uh, great, weird to play against him, but boy, did we love Peyton in Indianapolis and period. You know, for an owner to say anything above that, it's like, look at this moron. What's he talking about? Yeah. Idiot. He liquored up yeah. the owner. Yeah. yeah. What's the deal here? <laughs> yeah. Just go ahead and light a fire underneath the guy who's having the most impressive football performance in history it reminds me of uh, that movie batman begins or no maybe it was the dark knight rises and remember when that little weasley accountant was talking to uh morgan Morgan. freeman and he was like i figured it out and morgan freeman is like so this man who spends his nights uh (laughs) like uh dressed up beating up criminals your plan is to blackmail this man or something <laughs> like Jim or say your plan is to take this guy who has thrown 23 touchdowns and thrown for 5 million yards and is having the most and your 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 plan is to antagonize him really <laughs> yeah and to fire up the defense it's you, been... you want to think about that a little bit more yeah I'll tell you what I it, the Colts I mean it'll be that's a big game for for Peyton but the game I'm looking forward to the Broncos playing is against the Patriots Oh, that's I freaking hate the that. Well, you know what's lining up here is that Chiefs, Chiefs matchup. Chiefs game, yeah. oh Chefs. My gosh, that's just like a month away, and that's going to be um, like that could be amazing when they finally them. lose to Savannah State. You know, everyone will fall, call them a fraud. So. I was wearing <laughs> I was wearing my uh, Von Miller shirt around today, and I was talking with a guy, and I was like, "Man, this Colts game is going to be great," you know, because he's like, "We're getting Von back, right?" And I'm like, "Yeah, Von's going to be back," you know, finally. And we got to talk like, about that, don't I was we? Like, I was like, this might be the biggest <laughs> test of the season. He's like, "You don't think the Chiefs game is going to be the biggest one?" I was like, "Well, I mean, when we get there, but I mean, this one's now, so yeah, this is we're going to take it right one now. game at a time. We're <laughs> <Yeah>. just going <laughs> to concentrate on one game you at a time. We're as just a fan. all we're thinking about is the Colts right now. You know what the problem was in the last game was they they honored Todd Helton and the mediocrity of the Rockies just kind of just seeped into the stadium. So oh, well, that's what it was. Yeah, I did. That's what it was. That is just uh, such a dickhead thing to say. Hey, Walt, Walt Weiss, new three year deal <laughs> like for the Rockies. Todd Helton's fault. Todd Helton's a saint. He put his mediocrity stink <laughs> no, Bill all McCart- over the Broncos. Bill McCartney is a saint. You know. Todd Elton's just a guy. Didn't he shake Manning's hand or he, he touched him in he some must regard have, before I the think. game? He, he got did. his, his mediocrity stink. <laughs> the mediocrity all over him. is a. Todd Helton is <laughs> exceptional. Um, did we talk about the new Sky Bar going in at Coors Field? I don't know if that was announced before last week or not. Yeah. Oh, the that wasn't announced. Bar. No. Um, in the, uh... I heard so many people saying, oh, why don't they go buy a pitcher? 
you know what? That freaking sky bar looks awesome. You know who's going to be there? Roscoe. Mr. Monfort is oh. going to be up yes, there. Yes, will. Well, so will Charlie Roscoe, Monfort. Uh, the Colorado sports guy. Roscoe because, and Charlie Monfort. You guys are probably going to become boys up there. Oh, yeah. Coors Field has always been like one of the best bars in Denver. Now it's got a rooftop. They're just... They're a little behind, I think. Yeah. When rooftop bars took over this city. <laughs> Where's this thing going to be? I don't know anything about this. Right field, upper right field. They're, they're taking, taking out, out a whole bunch of seats. Up all those seats, they're the empty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No yeah. more purpura. No they're, wow. they're taking out all those seats that are always blocked off for every game. Yeah. That they've only opened up in, I would not say, 2007 and 2009. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Some, somewhere around there. Somewhere around I'm there. not exactly sure. It was like somewhere around... August and September of 2007, and then August and September of 2009. So this thing but, will be open. When's Rockies start? April? It'll be closed by June when three or four fans fall <laughs> off of this thing. They're going to put like, what, two, two foot of railing up? That's two, that's, Six that's foot seven gonna guys be, are going to be tripping over that thing. That's going to be fun. I can't wait. But, uh, uh, yeah, and you mentioned Walt Weiss three more years. Who cares? It's the Rockies, man. Who cares? They're fun to watch. They're our team. It's a great place to go. It's like pizza, we baby. Can it's all it. good. That's right. <laughs> it's all good. That's right. Oh, classic. So, it's well, all guys, good. I, I think I do see uh, Christopher Dempsey oh. lingering. Look, uh, yeah, he's he's actually looking through the window. Yeah. Good, because before we uh, come in, I just want to say I'm going to read a couple of uh, headlines by him to prepare for when he comes in real oh, quick. Denver Post by Christopher Dempsey on October 14th. These are things we're going to ask him about. Um, here it is. Uh, Nuggets guard Evan Fournier's confidence belies his 20 years. And then uh, DenverStiffs.com oh. by Nate Timmons no. on October 12, 2013. Nuggets should start Evan Fournier. Oh, boom. Bold statement. Bold statement. I was no just surprised question. there was no question, no question mark. mark at the end of that. Nuggets should start Evan Fournier? Evan Fournier. And then another one I want to ask him about. Denver Post by Christopher Dempsey on October fifteenth, two 2013. Brian Shaw strives to cultivate culture of togetherness with Nuggets. So he stole... George Carl's word of teamness and now has togetherness. togetherness. I see. Oh, if we put ness on the end of things, maybe we could be NBA coaches. Yes. Well, and uh, here's the other one, which we need to talk to him about. Denver Post by Christopher Dempsey on October 13th. Nuggets guard, and this is going to piss off Denver Stiffs uh, readers, I'm sure. Oh, boy. Nuggets guard Andre Miller thinks he can play until he's 40. <laughs> Hopefully so, for the Pelicans. I think what that means is if Andre Miller wakes up tomorrow and sees his shadow, that's three more years of playing. <laughs> <laughs> Crawl out of his hole underneath the tree. And, uh, you know, Christopher Dempsey's been doing this for a long time. A long time. I rarely ever see questions in his headlines, Ugh. which means that he's just not getting it because clearly we know you want readers, you've got to put questions. You got to trick them. You got to trick you them. Have to, you have to leave it open for interpretation. Well, you don't have good content. You got to trick them. <laughs> <laughs> this is an old trick we learned at Denver There Stokes. was another one. Uh, oh, here's one. This is another one from stampedeblue.com I forgot to read. On October 15, 2013 by Brad Wells. This is a hilarious uh, headline. Did the Colts look past the Chargers? Question mark. But that's not the end of the headline. Did the Colts look past the Chargers? 
Based on how they played, yes. <laughs> now, there is no reason to read this article. Yo, this yeah. guy's a complete moron. Yeah, he gave it yeah, away. Yeah, I mean, why use the cliffhanger if you're not going to exploit the cliffhanger? Well, if no, he was intelligent. He just skips right to it. If he Based was on a, how they played, yes. If he, and if he was intelligent, he wouldn't be living in Indianapolis. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe it's like other Bronco bloggers here where none of them live here. Yes. Maybe, <laughs> I bet you this guy lives in Denver. <laughs> Classic. All right, guys, we'll take a short one. We're going to be back with Christopher Dempsey of the Denver Post talking about them nuggets. And we're back. We're joined by special guest Christopher Dempsey joining us here at the Colorado Limited Studios, 1525 South Pearl Street. Like What's going on? Yes. Not a whole lot. Christopher. Christopher, Christopher Dempsey. Dempsey. Christopher Dempsey. You guys want to know when I became Christopher. Christopher. <laughs> After being Chris for my don't entire career. Don't call him career. Chris. Don't, don't. <laughs> we like to reverse things here. On when Carlos people Sports, yeah. call you Chris, are you like, how dare you? How dare you? I don't, I don't even answer. <laughs> Christopher. Well, That's the opposite of Kenneth Reed. Like, you call him Ken. You and he reminds you it's Kenneth. Yeah, it does. Yeah. But Uh-oh. you, it's Chris. You, you like to elongate it with Christopher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Might as well go with the uh, name I was born with. Yeah, there we go. There we go. <laughs> My well, given name. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll be talking, of course, obviously a little Nuggets basketball with Chris and Christopher since he's now the beat writer for the team. <laughs> yeah, well, Christopher. But, uh, yeah, we want to talk about that or just a little bit maybe about the difference between yourself and, and Benjamin Hockman, who was covering the team. What, mm-hmm. what would you say the differences are between you two that what Nuggets fans can expect coverage-wise out of the team? He's taller. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm a little <laughs> taller, and that really shows up in print. <laughs> uh, you know, you know, I am a guy who likes to. Uh, I, I like the inside of the game. I like to get inside. I like the X's and O's of the game. Um, I like uh, kind of breaking down individual players' games. And I try to do that as much as I can without totally boring the reader and getting, you know, getting away from what the may, maybe the subject of the story is. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know how much of that was done in, in the past, but it certainly will get done to a, a pretty high degree. Uh, if I have anything to say about it, and I do. Yes. In the future. So, I, you know, I think that would be the one main thing that I, you know, when I was covering with Ben last year, uh, in particularly during the playoffs, uh, there was a, uh, I was able to write, uh, game analysis pieces, you know, immediately after the game was over and have those appear in a paper. Uh, and, and, and I really liked doing that kind of stuff. I'm not going to be able to do that to the same extent because now you, I have to, the normal news of the day of the game to, to have to deal with as well. Right. So I'll do some of that on, on a blog site or on a website or whatever, but, um, that's the kind of stuff I really do love doing. Love the game of basketball. Always have. And so, um, it's certainly, a, that will be, uh, one real, um, kind of, uh, the hallmark of my coverage. Well, if the, if the print journalism doesn't work out, if you like to cover the X's and O's, that's perfect for a blogger. There's always <laughs> that. that is true. Yeah. 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 There, there, there is a certain, uh, site that covers the Denver Nuggets that, uh, specializes in basketball. So. You know, what, what, what? there is, <laughs> yes, it's called purple row, <laughs> <laughs> but you also do, you're also on the radio, obviously you do some one Oh four work with one Oh four three, the fan. Yeah. Uh, you're a Colorado guy. Yeah. Tell us just a little bit about your background. So I know you went to see you. Yeah. What people should know about you because it's kind of cool to get, 
you know, a, a local guy covering the team. That's pretty special. Yeah, for sure. Grew up watching the Nuggets. Um, man would, <laughs> would come to the games when nobody went and the, when they played at McNichols Arena and nobody went and you could just buy the least expensive ticket and walk all the way down basically to the floor <laughs> and watch games. It's, you know, how long. Back when people still smoke cigarettes yeah. in the stadium. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I miss those days. Yeah. The players were smoking at that point. Too. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, born and raised here, actually born in Boulder in a weird, uh, kind of twist of fate. Born in Boulder, uh, went to Montbello High School yep. and, um, then to the University of Colorado. Uh, nice. where I, um, got a degree in journalism and, um, from there worked for the Boulder Daily Camera for seven years, uh, covering CU, uh, and Broncos at the time. And then got hired by the Denver Post and have covered just pretty much everything <laughs> while I've, while I've been there. So, uh, including the Nuggets prior to actually Benjamin, uh, I was the beat writer, uh, the year before he got there. Um, then he came in and now I'm back. So it's, uh, kind of come all full circle for me so you awesome. you had uh, replaced mark spears right right That's okay mm-hmm. That's it. nice yeah it's mark yeah, spears so who we've, we've had on the podcast and uh, mark, you know it's it's an it's an interesting thing the world of beat writing has has a changed quite a bit quite a bit once once the advent of like base you know all the online stuff came yeah in. is it did you find you're more busy with writing stuff or is it just a different thing way more busy yeah. way more busy um you know, the, the amount, the volume of work you have to do now as opposed to when I got in a bit, I got in a business. It was in 1997 and you're talking about, you know, that there was barely an internet, you know, much yeah. less everything that's happening on it right now. And, uh, you know, so, so now, you know, in addition to whatever we write for print, which is really becoming obsolete, you know, you're writing for, uh, for the internet, um, you know, reporters are doing blogs, which they never, you know, which yeah. was never the case when I was. You feel dirty. He can't look at himself in the mirror anymore. Yeah. Like, what? What are you asking me to do? I, I tell the you what. Lunchtime special. <laughs> yeah. I, what is that? Get up and write? Huh? So. I'm supposed to be at the bar every day from 11 to 4. And then I show up at the games. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so it's, I tell you what, it's been, it's been, you, you certainly are, much busier, but I think the good thing is, is there's so many more outlets to get information out. And, and here's my, here's my point. You do, let's just say you media day, Nuggets media day, and you do 10 interviews. Well, before when it was just going into the paper, you had the main story that you were going to be writing and maybe like 14, 13, 14 inches of notes that got into the newspaper. And that was it. All this other stuff that you got either had to be saved for days past, and then there was always there's usually a time limit on it. You know how far you can use that. Now you can pretty much empty out the tape recorder. You know whatever gets into the paper is what that's fine, and everything else can go online in a way. um, You know it it gives us an outlet to get every little piece out in a way that we couldn't before. So I think that is a very positive thing, Mm -hmm. but um, you know, that's really interesting. That's a really interesting way to look at it. I hadn't thought about that before you were kind of limited (laughs) yeah. and you were probably used to be a little bummed because man, that was a nice little nugget that just uh, nugget that just, (laughs) you don't have room for, but, and we get chopped. (laughs) So, you know, even if you had, let's just say I wrote 15 inches of notes, 
and then all of a sudden uh, we needed the space for something big with the Broncos happened. Yeah. So you need the extra space. Well, well, well something has to go. Uh, so maybe it's that last note or two or three that might have been interesting, but not super crucial. Yeah. Uh, so it gets chopped and, you know, for something else to get in and then it just never sees the light of day ever again. Uh, whereas now it all can get in. And in fact, I, me personally, I like the internet a lot better because I'm in a little bit more control of what goes out and how it appears. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know, once you're dealing with the print product the next day, it's, you know, five, six people have seen it. They've all basically rewritten it to how they want it to, since the sound. And so you barely recognize what you wrote the next day. When I you didn't put it. that word yeah, in there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just, you know, so there's, there is a lot of that going on. I didn't on. use the term <laughs> firing squad. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's true. Along that line, and this is something we always debate here because, uh, we do our headline segment. We always wonder, do you, uh, do people at the Denver Post, do you, do all writers write your own headlines? No, not for the newspaper. That's you, know, you know, they have started asking us for suggestions <laughs> mm-hmm. on that stuff. But then, actually, it's really, it's funny how the way that we're doing it at the Post. They, we're asked to give suggested headlines, uh, which they completely ignore and then they write whatever they want, right? <laughs> and so, you know, it's... Why is there I two semicolons in there? <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I... <laughs> I, I'm not, I'm not clear as to why we're suggesting it. But uh, no, I, I tell you what though, the, the story, the blogs, those are absolutely written by the, the reporters yeah. because we basically post those ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, um, so some of them look kind of funky. Some of them are kind of clever. Most of them are pretty much not, you know, but, um, that, that's basically the way that goes. We, we don't, uh, reporters don't really write headlines unless it's on a blog or something like that. Would you ever use a question mark in a headline? That's something these guys. <laughs> uh, I would try. We'll see. Okay, and that's actually. I'll tell you what. I, I would not use a question mark in a headline. Damn it. I just wouldn't. Damn I, I, I just would. But you know what? I come from a place. You know, I come from a space where in the in the in the Boulder camera. Now, when I came it came up, we used to write the stories, edit the stories, lay out the paper, and so your days were. You know, if the team practices at. 10 or 11 in the morning, you go out, you cover the practice, you write the stories, you go into the office, and then you work from the office all night long to about 1 in the morning until the, the paper's out, and then you go home and you do it all over again the next day. Well, so so I used to headline write. I used to do the headlines. I used to do a bunch of copy editing and all that, that kind of stuff, which is why I would never use a, a question mark. And I, I was just, it was just like in, bored into me. You would never do this, nor would I ever you know start a story with a quote. Yeah. That was also something that was really drilled into me through in school and then, uh, you know, or in, in the early days at the Boulder Daily Camera. So, um, yeah, it's funny that you mentioned like little things like that. I don't think, you know, you know, most people wouldn't know. I mean, it's just, you know, if, it's if so you provocative. If you did, I mean, you no, got to read the article to get the answer. Yeah, that's what Nate's thinking. Yeah, well, well it's, it's one of those things, though. You know, if you did, I mean, who really know? I mean, the reader right now, they don't. This is, it's not something they really pick up on or even care. Uh, it, it's just one of those things that the, the rules of journalism as I was taught kind of growing up and in through school. And, and, and so that's the reason I would never do it. Well, we, we, uh, you know, my, we have person, our personalities are in our headlines and mine tend to be a little more esoteric than Nate's, but, uh, I use the question mark. He uses the question mark, which is how many question mark headlines do you use a week? <laughs> there were, I'd say maybe, maybe 10. Maybe 10. I mean, no, wait, one wait, or two. Maybe one. You know, Nate and I write, no, five, 
you know, articles a week, you know, we're covering all, all these different things. And sometimes you'll just, uh, a quite a straight question mark will, will come in at the end, you know, <laughs> like, Oh, I'm so sick of writing at this point. <laughs> That's care. kind of the other thing too. You know, we ask other journalists, you know, like yourself of what you guys think of, you know, Twitter and social media getting involved love it. with it. But it's kind of, I, I was texting Jeff the other day and I was like, I love when people write me back. I'll, you know, publish my story and the headlines in the story. And then they write me back immediately and they're like, well, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, you didn't read the story. You just, <laughs> yeah, you just, just responding to something yeah. on Twitter. Yeah. Read the damn story. Yeah. 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 What do you, you, do, you do like Twitter and the social media? Love Twitter. Yeah. Love yeah. Twitter. You know, it's, I, and I had to be ki- dragged kind of kicking, screaming into Twitter. Um, because I, I, I guess at that point, I just, I kind of thought it was just a, a frivolous thing to where people were just 140 characters. I don't really care what you think. Da, 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 da. What I came to find out about it was it was such a powerful tool for getting your stories out. And, um, so, so your reach is now from, it's not just the Denver metro area. It's to whoever's following you. I mean, and yep. people are following you from different countries yeah. and that's huge. And, 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 and let me tell you one thing. Let's take ESPN, for example. There was a point in time where ESPN would, let's say I wrote a story in Denver and it was newsy, interesting. Uh, an outlet like ESPN could see that story, tell their own writers, hey, look, this appeared here. Go find that information out and basically rewrite the story themselves and yeah. then put it and then crawl it across the screen. ESPN has reported blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and you know good and well that you were the first person to report that. Yep. Now, with Twitter, that eliminates all of that because everybody now who cares about the Nuggets or whatever sees what you wrote no matter where it is across, or where they are across the country. You cannot get away yep. with – so now we, you started to see – uh, crawls like uh, ESPN and media reports are are saying, mm-hmm. uh, you yeah. know, or uh, you know, first reported by. There is a credit that you are given now that in, in a way that you were never given that credit before, and I think that is in every way due to Twitter and I, you know, people who do work on Facebook pages and that kind of stuff too. Um, and and I think it's uh pretty fantastic. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 almost like it almost serves as a timestamp of your work too. Yeah, I mean, it really as soon does. as it goes out, I mean, we have an automatic uh, thing that sends it out on our Twitter account at uh, Denver Stiffs and mine and Nate's or a- Andrew Feinstein's. So immediately when we publish the article, it goes out, mm-hmm. and so therefore it's there, it's timestamped, so no one can come in and kind of cut, you know take credit we can always say listen this was published exactly here so it's all it's also good to kind of get that and and everyone sees it and everyone as you were saying around the world yeah around the world will see your work and then we got people from italy you know who are read denver stiffs and they comment all the yeah time. it's amazing australia you know it's amazing all those Fournier fans in France <laughs> following you i, I tell you Twitter, what and as the, and as the nba gets more global Yes, you know, because, you know, there are teams in the NBA have a lot of international players. And so you're getting all of those people, all the fans of those, yep. uh, those players are looking for information for them and then they'll, wherever they can find it, they'll get it. And the NBA is truly yeah. global. It yeah. is, it is one of the true American sports that is truly global yeah. all over. So, so, um, so is Fournier yeah. going to start? <laughs> I'd say he's not going to start. He's 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 not going to start. Yeah, let's get in talking about the team a little bit. Yeah, what are your? That's uh, called a that's called a transition. That's question. a transition. That's a transition. Do you like that? Segway. Yeah, it, doesn't, it doesn't work as well when you have to point out what it is. 
It's like explaining a joke. <laughs> yeah. Did you love my segue? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. let's, let's talk a little bit about the team, I guess, is what Ross is uh, hinting at there. What are your first impressions of, let's start with uh, Tim Conley and Brian Shaw. What do you think about these guys versus, obviously, you had relationships and uh, working relationships with Masai Ujiri, George Carl. Mm. What are kind of some first impressions of these guys and what we're venturing into with this entire new Nuggets era? Yeah, it's 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 interesting. <laughs> um, first of all, you know, Tim Conley, awesome. I, I mean, he's a, just a, a – energy kind of oozes out of him. And, yeah. uh, you know – you know, in talking to him, I like the way he thinks the game. Uh, he's also one of these uh, general managers really into analytics and all those kind of things. So going to bring a lot of that to the organization. And as a matter of fact, they, they hired a director of analytics. Yeah. And, and so there you go. And, you know, um, he's a Harvard graduate. I mean, that's, that's yeah, weird, right? uh, it's like Jonah. Yeah. What's his face from Moneyball? Jonah Hill. Jonah, Jonah Hill. Hill. Yeah, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much right. And, and so that's that's where they're headed. They, they've never had a director of analytics before. Now they do. Well, and the nerds are taking over. Taking over. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Which is so, funny because the nerds we talked to really hate what the Nuggets have done. Yeah. <laughs> so they didn't get the job. Yeah, yeah that's it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Now I, I think he's I think he's going to ultimately be really really good. Uh, seems to be an, an aggressive guy. You know, he's not going to stand pat and watch a team. Uh, you know, go down twos without doing something about it. Um, you know, and, uh, a very forward-thinking guy too. So I, I think he's going to be good for for the organization. Ultimately, now I think he's got some things to prove. It's his first job uh, as general manager, and what people don't know—players, agents, whatever—is what the Nuggets organization is about, what he's about, what it's going to be like. And so I think this year is going to be him. Uh, proving that, you know, hey, you know, they're a first class organization. They stand for these principles right here. Uh, it's going to take the, the season to do that because next off season, I think that it, that cost him a little bit in this free agent period. Next off season, he has something to stand on, some principles to stand on, a track record for people to look back on and see how they treated their players. Um, uh, you know, the direction, the coaches, everything else. Um, okay. So now this is why you should join us. Uh, so he's got a year to be able to go ahead and prove that. Uh, Brian Shaw, in terms of him, I, I really do like the hire. Uh, you know, I, I think when you when you're trying to transform the mm, the, the the direction of of the, of the of the program, you just don't go out and get somebody who was like the guy who left. Yeah. And <laughs> so they didn't do that clearly. <laughs> no. You know, the, yeah. you know, from what we've seen in the Nuggets in the preseason, yeah. you know, there's clearly more of an, a half court offensive presence. There's clearly going to be more of a post, uh, emphasis on getting the ball into the post, yeah. uh, working inside out, uh, uh, a more cerebral approach to basketball, really a, a huge emphasis on de- defending and, and really getting up at, you know, you're not going to get help. Yeah, we want you to actually try to stop this guy in front of you yourself. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, in a, in a way that they weren't asked to uh, a year, you know, under under a few years in the George Carl era. So, uh, you know, I, I think things are going to be. I, I really do like the direction. It's a entirely new cast from top to bottom. You know, we'll see. We'll see what they can do. Yeah. You know? Along those lines of the defense, there. 
You wrote an article recently about Andre Miller saying he could play till he's 40 years old. Yeah. I think that was just a couple of days ago. Yeah. What does that bode? How does that bode for him moving yeah. forward with the Nuggets <laughs> if there's going to be more of an emphasis on defense? <laughs> he might need some help. Uh, you know, it's interesting with Andre Miller because I, I know, and in particular, you guys know after the Golden State series, I don't know if there was a player that took more heat than he did yeah. uh, after that series. Which I always thought was unfair. I, I, I did too. Yeah. I did too. And I'll, and I'll explain why in a second. But I, you know, yeah, you know what? I think from a, um, uh, a mental, uh, standpoint and from an offensive playmaking standpoint, he thinks the game probably better than any player they have on the team. Mm-hmm. And he can still get an offense running better than any point guard they have on their team. And I think those things are valuable. Defensively, he's clearly a liability. Clearly, and you know, it's just you know, he's not the athleticism is gone. Yeah, Uh, he was never kind of a fleet of foot player anyway. So you know, once you zap whatever it was that you had before out, you're left with with what he is. And so there are going to be nights where he's going to be matched up on some point guards, uh, second team point guards. They're going to drag him around the court a little bit, and it's going to be his job to do the same thing on the other end. Now. I will say this about him. You know, he's more effective when he's got players who can score around him. Yeah. And to that effect, I think Nate Robinson addition is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think JJ Hickson's going to end up coming off the bench. I think it's going to be good uh, for, uh, for, uh, to have him around Andre Miller as well. Eventually, we'll see what happens with the Danilo Gallinari, Wilson Chandler thing. Uh, one of those two is going to come off the bench and which, whichever one it is, there's mm-hmm. another scoring option. So, uh, you know, one of the bigger things in that Golden State series last year was he couldn't even score after the after that first game. He had the game-winning shot, and then everything kind of went down the tubes from there. Yeah. Well, he's not a scorer. You know, he's a playmaker. He sets everybody else up. And so you gotta get guys around him who can do that, and I think they'll, I think they'll be fine, uh, in that respect with him this year. Now, I also want to get back a little bit to Brian Shaw, mm-hmm. Coach Shaw here. I think you wrote an article about him fostering a aura of togetherness. <laughs> yeah. And you also mentioned that Brian Shaw is distinctly different than George Carl. And especially in that respect, right? Not mm-hmm. just the game coaching, right? I yep. mean, Shaw is, uh, much more of a, you know, more of a father figure maybe to these players mm-hmm. or more of a, you know, like you, you know, like you mentioned togetherness. That was yeah. definitely not Carl's aspect. And there's a lot of talk about how old ball coaches, how the game passes them by mm-hmm. with regards to George Carl. Do you think there's any merit to this notion that maybe not the game passed him by, but maybe the players passed him by, the new generation? We always talk about the young, self-entitled generation. Do you think there's anything to that? Yeah, 100,000 million percent, yes. They need to yes. be coddled a little bit more. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. yes, there is no doubt. And, you know, the communication between George Carl and his players by the end, I mean, it was none. I mean, there's, you know, I mean, that's just what it was. He wasn't relating to them. Um, and then he was coming off as kind of a gruff old man. And, uh, Calling so they were out in press conferences type yeah, of thing that, th- yeah. that just doesn't fly anymore, I guess. Right? Yeah. And then, and then in practices, uh, let's just say he called you out in practice, but then not coming back and sitting down and saying, Hey, you know what? Listen, I know I was tough on you before, but. Let me love you up right now and tell you what was going on. You know, right. yeah. um, there's they call, that, that. they call that a criticism cheeseburger. They call it a compliment is the bread, then the criticism is the meat, and then another compliment to make sure you don't go jump off a bridge. Or something. It's like, and that's and that's literally that's, that's how you have to kind of you work with some of these uh, players now. And you know, they have to they a they want to know why you're criticizing them. 
B, they don't really like your tone. <laughs> then, you know, uh, but then C, if you sit them down and say, Hey, look, man, it, it, we want what's best for you. This is why we were saying what we were saying. And this is, we want you to be successful. And these players relate to that. And I think that's what, uh, Brian Shaw has immediately brought to, to the program. And I, it, the player that, that, that's the best example of, of him, um, showing faith and then working hard as a result is JaVale McGee. Uh, JaVale McGee couldn't care less about George Carl. (laughs) You know, I mean, it was such a bad relationship. But what what uh, Brian Shaw has come in and done and said, hey, listen, I'm not going to tell you that there's nothing, there's something on the court that you can't do. Go ahead, be you, do you. We'll teach you the skills you need to uh, need to learn. In turn, I'm asking you to work hard, work at your craft, take this seriously, and we'll be successful. And that's all JaVale McGee ever needed to hear, you know, <laughs> that somebody believed in him, you know. Yeah. And my mom's a school teacher. She always used to say this to me uh, in, in, in respect to um, inner city kids and how they were taught sometimes. There were a lot of teachers that said, those kids can't learn. They, they, you know, da, 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 da. and she always said, you know what, instead of telling them what they can't do, why don't you start telling them what they can do? And watch them flourish in yeah. that respect. And that is what Brian Shaw is doing with these guys. And it's working, man. It's working. I think if JaVale McGee f- uh, fails, it won't be because he didn't work hard. Um, it won't be because he didn't apply himself. It'd just be because it didn't work out. Uh, and, and I think there are a lot, a number of players on this team, uh, that needed that. And I think that's going to be one of the, the, it's one of the best things that Brian Shaw's brought to the, to the, to the franchise. One big thing that we were hitting on last week and it's probably going to be discussed throughout the season is leadership on the team. You know, you kind of see shots going to start from the top down, but one of the first things he talked about at uh, the media day presser was how Ty Lawson might not be. And we heard it from George too. Ty Lawson's not this leader. Mm-hmm. He has, you're just not born with that kind of personality. Who do you see as being the leader of this team? And is, is it important to have, we, I mean, we hit on guys like, you know, Kobe Bryant, Kevin Garnett that mm-hmm. seemed like that they would, you know, rather die on the court like than a player lose a game. coach. <laughs> yeah. 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 But who do you see leading on this team or do they even have a leader on this team? Yet? Yeah. That's such a tough question, man, because yeah. to me, it's a twofold question. Oh, so Andre Miller and Randy Foy are veterans that are very well respected and within locker rooms and can be and have been leaders in the past. The problem with one of those two guys being the leader is are, do they have the respect of Kent Freed, Ty Lawson, the young guys who are looking at stars and saying, ah, that's the kind of dude I want to follow. Yeah. And so the leadership from those two guys can, to me, in, in my opinion, can only go so far. Mm-hmm. It has to come from Ty or whoever else is – listen, if JaVale McGee ends up averaging you know, 18 points and 10 rebounds and three blocks a game – and he becomes the overarching leader of the team, which is kind of a scary thought right now. Right. But, but you know, whatever. That's the kind of player they need to be the leader. Um, now, I, I, I know, I know the GM doesn't necessarily think that I, he thinks the leadership is a little bit, of, a, a tad bit on the overrated side. Um, you know, uh, he has examples of teams that were very successful that didn't really have that that guy, that alpha dog guy. Um, but I, I think it's, I do think it's, I think it's important. I don't think Ty is ever going to be that. I, I just don't. You know, I, I think you are who you are. And if you're not a vocal leader, you're not just going to become a vocal leader. And I think Ty has been in the league long enough to where we can see in that aspect of his game and of his personality, we can call that one. That, that That's games that match. Uh, you know, and, and so 
you know, it's going to be upon somebody else. And it doesn't have to be a point guard, right? Because, I mean, if you look back. No, I don't think so. If you look historically. It doesn't matter who it is. Yeah. It really doesn't matter who it is. To me, it just has to be your best player. I don't care what position he plays. Yeah. Um, You know, if your best player is the guy out there directing traffic and telling, telling guys what to do and, you know. Then that's the guy. That's the guy I want. It, point guard doesn't matter. It's not, it's not like the quarterback of a football team, which is a little more important. Right. Um, basketball. There's five dudes out there. Uh, you know, LeBron James is not. He he's, he's not a point guard, but he's a leader. <laughs> you know, yeah. Kobe Bryant's not the point guard, but he's the leader. Tim Duncan. You know, so it's um, it, it doesn't matter. But they do have. I think eventually they'll have to find somebody. You know, I, last year I remember an interview with George. Where he was saying that he was talking about leadership on the team, someone who step up. It was the his annual thing where he would said that once a year, and he he made he loved a, asking him that too. He he made a he made a comment um, where that sound was interesting, and I noticed it kind of play out last year. Uh, he made a comment. He says like he said Gallinari has the per- per- personality to be a leader, but he but it was the European thing that was getting in the way. And I noticed it on the court was like, it was like, well, he would bark, but Gallo would like, all the European players would coalesce around him <laughs> and all the rest of the players wouldn't listen or wouldn't do all that stuff. So it's like, okay, I'm, yeah, you're the leader, but you're the leader of the European wing of the Denver Nuggets, <laughs> <laughs> which is down to Fournier, Fournier and, and uh, Mozgov. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's like, I, I mean, it's a nebulous thing. I mean, how are you going to, how are you going to define leadership? On a team that doesn't necessarily want to be led, I mean, like, what do you what do you say? Like Ty Lawson was the best player at the end of the year. He was, and if the leader is your best player, and no one was following Ty, then it's a problem. Don't really need a, I, I, yeah, I guess you know, it's you don't a problem. Really need a leader, you know? Yeah, no, I, I think it's a big, 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 huge issue because because you can't insert a different kind of a personality into into. Ty really should be the guy because he is the best player. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I just don't know that that's going to be the, he's going to turn out to be the case. So now you got to look for it somewhere else. They're going to lean on Andre Miller again. Um, I think Randy Foy, once he gets in, he's going to have to have a couple good scoring games, um, you know, really get respected around there. And then I think he can inject himself into that role a little bit too. But, um, you know, actually, interesting enough, it's funny. I brought up JaVale McGee because, interestingly enough, a an assistant coach just a few days told me, he said, you know, he said, Chris, you know what? You know who one of the best leaders in the locker room is? JaVale McGee. I said, and you said who? And you said, and you <laughs> Say, said who's Chris? <laughs> he said, he said, Chris, let me tell you, uh, those players, uh, he's got this personality that these players gravitate towards. Um, and, you know, he's, he's always seems to be in the center of thing. They're, they're following him. They're doing what he, uh, what he's doing. Um, the whole jug life hashtag thing he's doing on, yeah. uh, you know, everybody's starting to do that now. It's, he's got the kind of, he's got it in him. He's just it's not, not that. Ju- it's, he's, it's not the class clown type thing. But or, I think that's part of it. Yeah. I think that's part of it. You know, it's, you know, he keeps everybody laughing. Um, and in that respect, he's got their attention. And then at that point he could start, he could, but now the problem is, is that he's just developing as a player. So yeah. if he's telling Ty Lawson what to do, Ty Lawson can look at him and say, what? <laughs> <laughs> you know, huh? 
How about you know? How, you know, you work on your game, and I'll average my twenty points and eight assists, and we'll just see what just happens. Handle your own business. Yeah, yeah. And so that's you know, for for a guy like him, his game is going to have to speak volumes first. Mm-hmm. Then his voice can be heard uh, in that kind of a capacity. Second, so um, could you ever see McGee being a like a a guy that the media would go to for? I know, and then, then, there, that's the, yeah. then there's that problem. It's the next hurdle. For right. Him, right. Yeah, because you're going to have to stand up. You can't run when you can't run out of a lot. You can't leave the locker room before it opens after a loss, but be but be chilling at the locker, ready to go when you win. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, you, you have to stand up and be accountable every single night. And um, you know, I, here's what I think. You know, I, I think Javale McGee has been burned by media in the past, and because of that, he's learned to hard shell it. And Cisco, hey, you know, you know, so he'll sit, you know, slouch it down and <laughs> talk in this monotone voice right here because I don't really care. If you ask me another question, I just want to leave. <laughs> Was that in Denver when he got burned? Uh, no, Washington. Washington. Washington yeah, yeah, Washington. And, and listen, he brought some of that on himself. He did. Uh, but you know, listen, when you get, no matter if you bring it on yourself or not, if you feel that you've been done wrong, yeah. uh, you know, sometimes you can just go into that shell and that's what he does with media. And, um, which is why he can have a website launch mm-hmm. and be class clown. Awesome guy. Uh, everybody, you know, cheers, <laughs> you know, and then, you know, you turn around a few days later and you're like, well, who's that dude? Yeah. Cause he's not, not the same, the same guy. guy. I just saw a few, yeah. Yeah, a few nights ago. So, <laughs> um, you know, and I think as he gets better, I think it'll help as he has success on the court. I think that'll help if the team has success that I think that'll help. And then as he goes through a season or m- weeks and months without a bunch of negative stuff being written and said about him, uh, I think, He'll start to come out of that shield because I think he wants to. Yeah. I mean, I sat there and I talked to him a little bit off the record. I think he wants to, but he doesn't want to just open himself back up and then somebody burn him and then, yeah. you know, then he's got to, then he's mad and, and hurt and all that again. <laughs> so we'll just see. I think it'll take a little time with him, but, um, uh, you know, you're right. I mean, that's another aspect of being a leader. LeBron James stands up there. Dwayne Wade stands up there. Doesn't matter. Rain or shine. Mm-hmm. They're there and they're accountable, and that's what that's one one of those pieces that he's going to have to uh, work on. That's yeah. a tough thing too, because you're saying you know all the players will tell you how funny Javale is, and it's like, well, mm-hmm. I've never really seen, never it, see it, you never see it. <laughs> Another guy that we've talked about maybe having a little bit of a leadership role because of his playoff success and just his personality is Nate Robinson. Mm-hmm. You kind of look at you know why did the Nuggets bring him in when they have Andre Miller and they have Ty Lawson? Was it just to add another asset, or was it because of some of those? You know, his, his role in the playoff series last year as well as his kind of big personality for a little guy, but huge yeah. personality on him. Yeah, and and, the, and then there's the three-point shooting, which, yeah. I mean, he shot 40, 40%, 41%, something like that last year from the three-point line. Yep. And so the, the the Nuggets, you know what they did in off season? It was kind of a weird patchwork off season. Once once you get past the coach and the general manager and all that kind of stuff, I mean, get down to the roster. It was very patchwork when you look at it. It was uh, okay. We don't shoot the three pointer very well. Let's get Randy Foy and uh, Nate Robinson. We don't uh, defend nor run the pick and roll very well. Let's get Darrell Arthur and JJ Hickson. And so it was kind of like. Band-Aid, 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 Band-Aid. Okay, let's just see what we have. Right. And so I, you know, I think with Nate Robinson, he was brought in to actually really fulfill, to, to fill in a, a need. I just, I just, you know, when we'll see what, if he can, you know, really, uh, 
help them out in that area. But he can be an explosive scorer. I mean, you, you were talking yeah. about in the playoffs. I mean, that was just amazing what he did in that uh, in that game in Chicago against Brooklyn. He's got that in him, and he's gonna have. But you know, what he also has in him is Nate. No <laughs> shooting. You know, he's got. I can't believe he's shooting us out oh of the God. game. Yeah. yeah, he's got that. He's got that in him too. And so the Nuggets fans will see that. You know, the, you know, they'll like him overall. I, he, he, you can't do anything but love him. He's got a big heart. Um, loves to play. Super, just uber competitor. Um, so all that will show up more often than it won't. Um, you know, but. Fans will go back and forth on, oh my gosh, is he going to shoot us out or is he going to shoot us in? <laughs> yeah. And so. <laughs> that's kind of what Ben scores do, you know, Corey yeah. Brewer, obviously Jared Smith, Jarrah guys Smith, we're familiar right. with. I mean, that's, yeah. yeah he, I, I, I think he's most similar to, to JR, just not obviously the size factor. And he's a lot more stable. It is the JR Smith. Yes, quite a bit more. Yeah, uh, one question that everyone on, on Denver Stiffs has been asking is prognosis on Wilson Chandler and Gallo. Any, yeah. Any, do we have any sort of timeline on either of them? Wilson Chandler ought to be returning to practice on Thursday. Yeah. And um, going through full practice. Well, he's done non-contact stuff uh, in the past few days, but just hadn't played in any games. Mm-hmm. Um, he'll he'll be, he'll return to full contact practice Thursday. He's going to play Saturday at the LA. Well, they're playing in Las Vegas uh, against the LA Clippers right, in yeah. Las Vegas. Yeah. Um. So. He'll be back. He's just got to get himself back in condition. He doesn't know anything about the offense because he hasn't played a single second in it. Um, so he's going to have to get himself acclimated. And then they've been trying a bunch of people at the small forward in his absence. Yes, <laughs> Everybody, <laughs> I think. It's just been kind of weird. Yeah. Kind of weird. Anthony Randolph. Anthony Randolph yeah. and Quincy Miller and everybody. So it's been, it's been very interesting to see how that's kind of unfolded. Uh, Gallinari is a little more complicated to me. Yeah. Um, he says his doctors have told him that right around late November and early December, he ought to be ready to come back. Nobody else is saying anything. <laughs> like the coach is like, no, we're not giving a time. We don't, when his knee's ready, he'll be ready. <laughs> you know, I talked to his agent, his agent's, no, I'm not giving a timeline. <laughs> I don't want to do that. You know, so it's, it's a very, everybody else is keeping mom on it because they know. And I think Gallo's going to find this out if he's not ready. Uh, let's just say first week of December and the fans and are taking a Twitter and whatever else. And like, Where are you? What's, yeah. what's going on? You said you, said- you were going to be, that's yeah. going to teach him the lesson not to say, uh, not to, unless you're beyond a shadow of a doubt. Sure. You know, yeah. you know, my, that's going to be healthy in three months. If you know what, then fine. Give us a timetable. If you don't, then, uh, you know, kind of maybe back off, maybe just couch it a little bit. That was see. weird this summer because. He came out with that thing on in that Italian interview, mm-hmm. where he Facebook, or yeah. Facebook thing. It wasn't an interview; it was a Facebook thing. And then that guy, Italian porter, David David uh, something. I forgot his name. I'm sorry. I, I, you're friends with me on Facebook. <laughs> so no, just no uh, respect for this guy. And uh, <laughs> he he translated the thing, and then Gallo says it wasn't a tear of his of his of his ACL. It was only a partial tear, and they didn't need surgery. He didn't have surgery. Yeah. And then people were freaking out. It's like when we were told Say he what? had surgery on a full tear of his ACL. There's all this stuff going on. And then Gallo kept say, saying all this stuff. And I'm sure back in Denver, the Nuggets are going, oh, God, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> I don't have no idea. Because, they're, because the Nuggets th- say are saying it's a complete tear. Mm-hmm. And so that's the other complete. The, it's just very confusing because, all right, so in April, it's a complete tear. When Gallo posts on Facebook, it's – well, no, it's not. It's it's something that's not really completely. So I'm coming back so much earlier, 
And then you get back and I'm talking to Nuggets people now and there's Chris, it's a complete tear. I said, well, <laughs> okay, if it's a complete tear, then how could he come back? <laughs> right? And how could he, I mean, this is, this is, I mean, you, you and I spoke at practice a couple uh, last week. Yeah. And this is my thing. It's like, if it was a complete tear, he would have had to have had surgery on it. Mm-hmm. He would have had to have to a procedure done on his knee to, to repair it. If he didn't have the, the surgery, how is he walking? You know, I mean, it's, it's like he obviously it wasn't a complete tear. So there's like this, all this information mix up here. And I, and I don't know how it's, how they're going to resolve it, but I'm sure the Nuggets would like him to, you know, be Just quiet. Just be quiet. If you were, <laughs> say, don't yeah. if you were German, they would have been very precise <laughs> about what had happened. Well, there's there's a really, lot of, kind there of, there was a know. lot of talking with his hands, you know. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> yeah. so anyway, but that's a bizarre situation, but Yale will come back when he comes yeah, back. Yeah. Yeah. So that's I, honestly, I think what will ultimately happen is it'll be mid to late December. That's what I think will ultimately happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'll see. But then it's a huge, this, there's a very real chance that this season could be com- just basically a lost season for him because when he comes back, he's got to learn the offense. He's got to learn where he fits in. By that time, they will have figured out rotations and things yeah. that they like. And so then he's going to have to fit himself into that. And by the time you do all that, and come back and actually feel, not to mention the time where he gets on the court, right? So mentally, mentally, is yeah. my knee all right? You know, or is it still sore? You know, after some games, is it sore? Do I have to, you know, it's by the time he feels healthy, yeah, there's like five different things that have to happen for him to actually be good on a basketball court. It might take the balance of the season to do that. So it just, you know, I would couch expectations mm-hmm. on Gallo this year and hope that Wilson Chandler exceeds them. You know, you know, if he comes in, starts, plays great, boom, you only have to move him out of the starting lineup when that, when Gallo comes back. You can just, Gallo, you're coming off the bench. You work your way in. Hopefully you're, you'll be great. If we make the playoffs, maybe you'll play. Maybe you'll be hitting your stride then and, okay. and, and we can really use you as an X factor. But, um, you know, I, the, it, it'll be interesting to see how that all goes. Yeah. Down. I have n- no one has any clue and the confusion was by mostly by Gallo there, which, <laughs> yeah. and if I was the team, I'd probably say, shut. Yeah. Somebody needs to teach him the American idiom of under promise over deliver. Yes. Yeah. Under promise over right. deliver. John Fox. Exactly. <laughs> we'll get you out of here in, uh, in just a minute. The last thing I wanted to ask you is Nuggets fans are concerned about the, you mentioned the starting lineup about JJ Hickson coming off the bench. Nuggets mm-hmm. fans are all up in arms about who's going to start at power forward. Yeah. And if it's Hickson, are the Nuggets going to be trading Fareed? But you seem confident that Fareed's going to be starting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So here's the situation with that. Um, when you drive around town and you see billboards, it's Freed's face on them. When you go to the website, it's Freed's face on it. When you, it, he's on ESPN magazine. His new Adidas shoe, or I think it's Adidas. Yeah. Adidas, Adidas Ghost. Just, <laughs> just is, is coming out. He, for, for all that Ty Lawson is to this team, for all intents and purposes, the actual face that's out there of the franchise is Kenneth Fareed. Yeah, he's manimal, and he gets introduced in the in the in the arena. Oh, we love manimal, and the pro, and, and so the, the 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 point of all that is, it's hard to bench your face. You know, if you're the face of the franchise, you gonna bench that guy, the guy that's selling jerseys and tickets and all of that other kind of stuff. And so I think he's going to have to be so, so severely outplayed 
by J.J. Hickson, which some people might look at and say he is being sick. You know, yeah. But it would have to be that situation for him not to start, in my opinion. Uh, you just can't have that marketable a guy and then play it's very him. photogenic. Yeah, as we all know, no right? No offense to Ty Lawson. Fareed. Photogenic. You know, and, it's, it, and play him 18, 20 minutes a game. You, you can't do that. And so... Uh, you know, I think he's gonna get the, the first crack at it. Listen, we're only talking about opening night in, in whatever, the first month and a half or whatever. Um, if it turns out that JJ Hickson is so much better, in particular with that, whatever mixture of players they have in a starting lineup, then I think eventually that might work itself out that way. Mm. But I just think opening night, where you're, when you're looking at starters opening night, I think you're looking at Ty, Randy Foy, uh, Wilson Chandler, Kenneth Freed, and JaVale McGee. And I think that's pretty well, Locked, but, but in terms of when you're talking about competition, I think it's a great competition at Powell Ford, actually. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, could be a pretty good competition at, at shooting guard, but players would have to step up, you know, in, mm-hmm. in that respect. I, we might see Wilson Chandler play some, some too. Yeah. Yeah. It, it literally it this way. If Gallo came back and he was awesome right off the bat, put Gallo in at the three, slide Wilson over to the two, Bring Randy Foy off the bench for three-point shooting. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, that, would be that pretty, can happen. That would be a pretty good you know, all, uh, starting lineup if Gallo was all right. And you, right. And that, but it depends on Gallo. Yeah. That, I mean, that, being able to u- fully utilize that depends on his health and his play. Mm-hmm. But, man, you would have length, size, all that kind of stuff at your, at your guard spot. You don't have to worry about Ty Lawson much anymore. If it's a very bad matchup for him, you could just switch Wilson Chandler over and have – you know you know, you know sure. So um, it becomes real versatile that way. But I think those are – you know – uh, are going to be your five starters at the beginning of the season, provided Wilson is continues to be healthy enough to play. Um, and then they'll just go from there. Would you pencil the team in uh, if you're writing in pen for the playoffs? Uh, I would not pin them in, no. I wouldn't. <laughs> I, I really wouldn't. Yeah. I, I, I think they're – listen, I, I think there are six locks in the in the Western Conference. I think none of those locks – the Nuggets are not one, one of those locks. Yeah. I think the Nuggets, when you talk about the seventh and eighth spot, I think that's what they'll ultimately be vying for. And, and I think you're talking Nuggets, Lakers, Portland, Minnesota, uh, Pelicans, uh, those five. I think those five are, I think some people would throw Dallas in there. I, I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I hate the roster, but, um, it, it's, I, when you, you know, five teams for two. I think every, I think every, everything else is, you know, barring injury, really catastrophic injuries yeah. is pretty well, uh, Pretty well set, but uh, I mean, listen. If the Nuggets get into the playoffs, they might, you know, you might see a team that by then is really hitting stride, learn the offense, can now run through it without thinking, uh, can really play reads now and do all the things you need to do to uh, add wrinkles, really trick the defense. Uh, listen, Bryce Shaw's got tricks. Uh, let me tell you, uh, it's been he's drawn some things up in these first few uh, preseason games. He's just like. What? How do you get Anthony Randolph the whole side of the court by himself? <laughs> I, you know, how do you, you know, and, and just, just things that are just, he's got tricks now. And, but it's, it's got, you know, those players have to learn it. I happen to think that it, it could get really ugly for the Nuggets early on in the season. I actually, I really do. Yeah. Because while I think they are improving, I don't know that they're going to improve enough to be super successful right off the bat. Yeah. I think there's going to be such a, there's such a huge learning curve there. Um, and then not just learning the offense, but learning the offense. Now I'm playing with you. You know, I'm playing with us for it, right? Okay. But now you're gone. 
okay, now I gotta, okay, now I gotta learn a new player. And so, there's so many levels to this that I think it could cost them very early. Now, if they can try, if they can kind of tread water a little bit, be 500 ish, um, you know, mid January, early February, Mm -hmm. I think then we'll start to see a Nuggets team figure it out, start to hit a little bit of a stride and really make a run for one of those playoff spots. Uh, and then if they get in the playoffs, Hey, you know, you got to tell, you have, you have wild cards on the court. Yeah. So, you know, so we'll see what happens after that. Awesome. Well, hey, man, we don't want to take too much of your time. I know you got to get out of here and enjoy a lovely Tuesday evening on this cold. That's right. Cold well, then we, let's talk oh. about the Philadelphia Eagles. Yes. We'll talk about how inexplicably Chris Dempsey is a fan of the Eagles. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. Let's, let's, we'll close on that. Yeah. Let's close on that. I'm let's gonna... go explain yourself, <laughs> sir. Explain yourself. Some being attacked. Yeah. Uh, so the Eagles. <laughs> uh, it, it's really not a, even a phenomenal story. I, I did grow up in a Broncos household. My mom, just huge, humongoid Bronco fan, uh, loves them, watches them, has watched them every single Sunday for who knows how long. Um, but she was also a football fan, uh, just in general. And so we'd sit and watch football all the time. Sundays, boom, football. That's what it is. I was just a really little kid. I latched onto the Eagles. Don't know why I liked him. Loved Ron Jaworski. Loved Mike Quick. Is how old I am. I'm 30. Yeah. I, I'm 38 years old, people. That's, I go back a ways. But, uh, I thought you were going to say Randall Cunningham. Right, Randall Cunningham. <laughs> no, see, I go back even right the step okay. before that. Yeah. And the and those are the players. I just Harold Carmichael. I had a Harold Carmichael jersey, and so it was. Uh, those are the players I latched onto. I never stopped liking the Eagles, and so they just they just have been one of my favorite teams. They are my favorite team. I mean, I'm sorry, Broncos fans, but I just you know they play the Broncos. I root for the Eagles. Sorry, I thought maybe it was just misguided the, youth uh, is the answer to this. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You could have cut the rest of that and just said misguided youth. <laughs> just uh, you know, a punk kid rebelling against his parents. That's right, <laughs> going against his mom. I raised you to be a Broncos fan. <laughs> I hate the Broncos. <laughs> Where am I going wrong? Yeah, yeah exactly. Awesome. It could have been worse. It could have been worse. Let's be honest. It could have been worse. Could have been a Raiders Eagles. fan. Yeah, exactly. Could have been that. So. Like our Nuggets head coach. Well, we forgive you. Oh, my. You know what's funny about the Nuggets team is, like, none of them are Broncos fans. Like, none of them. None of them. None of them. It's hilarious. And so, you could have had Chauncey on this team. (laughs) I know. still pissed about that. Yeah. So, I I tell you, you know what's going to happen. The Broncos are going to get into the playoff. They'll make a deep playoff run. Um, And then they'll have, let's just say they have a bye. And so now two weeks without real Broncos copy, but the Nuggets are playing and they're playing at home. And so you know how the TV and everybody comes and goes, so what do you think about the Broncos run? (laughs) (laughs) And and the players kind of go, I love the Broncos and I hope they do really well. (laughs) They don't care. Kenneth Reed loves the Giants. Giants had on last night. Yes, he had the Giants on. Yeah, he had the Giants. He loves the Giants. The the coach is from Oakland. He's he's, the coach is from Oakland. Of course, he's gonna love the Raiders. Yeah, Andre Miller loves the Raiders. Yeah, Nate Robinson is a diehard Seahawks fan. uh, Loves the Seahawks. So I mean, you you have a team that really. 
could care less about the Broncos. <laughs> yeah. But they will put on their best face because they don't want to get, you know. <laughs> you're living in a town that uh, basically uh, doesn't function if the Broncos are doing badly. <laughs> you know, Elway so, used to go to those right. Nuggets playoffs games that's and show true. support. <laughs> Remember that? True. Remember that? He did the introduction two nights in a row that's in that right. playoff yeah, series. Sure yeah. Those are on YouTube and they're embarrassingly like eight bad. Scotches. They are terrible. <laughs> they are terrible. And then you go see him and he's drinking a tall boy. Oh, you this know year. he is. You know, a 20 Let's ounce go thing. Nuggets. <laughs> <laughs> it's a party over in Broncos yes. headquarters, oh. baby. All the time. All the time. Well, awesome. Good stuff, man. You yep. know, we, we lost Benjamin Hawkman for coverage, but I feel like we gained an asset with you covering the team. Appreciate uh, that. It's, it's awesome to listen to you talk about journalism and basketball as well. And I'm sure, you know, our yeah. fans will enjoy it. And Denver Post readers are in, in excellent hands with Chris Dempsey. And yeah, we appreciate it. Thank Dempsey. you so much for coming. Yeah, absolutely. Let's do this again. This is a lot of fun. Good yeah. deal. Ross, any uh, praises you want to lavish upon the man? <laughs> I will take all meats and cheeses. <laughs> and if you I've want to my fan me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Christopher. Yep, appreciate, absolutely. It. appreciate it. Appreciate it.